Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Buckhunters. It is Tuesday, November 29th. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning Five and Change. As you can see, the lovely and talented Steve Wiltfong joins us, as always, on a Tuesday. We are a little bit late here. There is recruiting news being passed around. The Internet's hot and heavy, and the director of recruiting for 24-7 sports needs to be available for said information. He is now here. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. Doing all right. Doing all right here. How about y'all? I would say recovery is uh, what we're in right now. Uh, Negative hangover. I'm finally ready to watch television with an open mind and not be the channel changer anytime Ohio State comes up. But we will get over that and we're going to spend the second half of the show without Steve, not drag him into our misery, talking about the game and what comes next, etc. There were a lot of recruits in the house for the game, uh, really a bunch of them, and some really, really good ones. We're going to discuss them today. The class of 2023 obviously coming down the stretch here. One name I want to ask you about right at the top. Um, and this has got an Indiana vibe to it, so let's get into it. That is Joshua Mickens, defensive end who was committed to Louisiana State University. Ohio State liked what they saw of his senior film and made a play and has offered. He visited this weekend and then decommitted from LSU. I have to think right now this is just a formality, and Joshua Mickens will be a Buckeye. Yeah, as we reported on Bucknuts over the weekend, prior to his decommitment to LSU, we uh, logged 24-7 sports crystal ball forecast in favor of Ohio State. And even going into the visit, we talked about the Buckeyes making a move here down the stretch. He attended the home game prior to the the Michigan game. And uh, I think, you know, he loves LSU and love that coaching staff and, and the opportunity to play on that stage in the SEC we're all exciting factors to him, but I think as it got closer to the early signing period, being closer to home and being closer to family was an important factor while also not sacrificing the level of football in Ohio state. You know, they play on a, uh, on a national stage. They have a chance to win the national championship every year. They develop their pass rushers. And uh, I, I think he's had two great trips to Ohio state. 
He loved his official visit, and uh, I think Ohio State's the one to beat for him here down the stretch. And this is a young man that's uh, um, really, really, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is he a sack specialist? Is he a run stopper? So he's a guy that's got a lot of twitch and a lot of upside as as an edge player. He's six foot four, 220-pound, three-sport athlete, good basketball player. Good shot put in discus thrower. His dad um, had a cup of coffee in the NFL, uh, played played his college football as a running back at Butler and had a tremendous college career and, and played in the NFL. And, What's his dad's uh, name? Is it Ray? Arnold, Arnold Mickens. And, uh, you know, Josh, he's, uh, he's a guy that's uh, – he, he's a guy that um, – you know, he's been through a lot over the last year or so here, um, but has, has kept his eye on on his goals and has worked hard for him. He's an extremely dedicated player that, uh, um, you know, has has the talent, I think, to be a really good player at Ohio State or wherever he chooses. We like the Buckeyes here down the stretch for him. Um, 43 and a half tackles for loss, 18 and a half sacks um, over the last two seasons. So, He's been a disruptive player and, and, and really a guy that um, once he focuses in on strength and conditioning and football full time, I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. Got to be a bummer for the LSU staff. That group was in Indiana and probably had their eye on him when he went down there and committed. Once he started talking about the length of the commute, I thought they were in really good shape and I, I may be a shock to have anything else happen. Number two on the list, and he was here this weekend as well. Is he the biggest recruit left on the board for Ohio State? You can make the argument that is Damon or Damone Wilson. Yeah, he's. I talked to Wilson's dad yesterday, on Monday, and he said that they were going to sit down as a family tonight, which is Tuesday night, and talk really hash things out. So maybe we'll we'll have an idea of what he does moving forward. I thought Ohio State was still in good position coming into the visit, but Georgia has certainly given him a lot to think about. And and so I think those two programs have a lot to offer him. I think he likes, I think he's excited about both schools. And I think now he's about ready to finally sit down with his family. And I say finally, because I think he's been trying to make a decision for a while. And if he was able to, he would have, you know, so it just goes to tell you, how much uh, of a struggle it's been to get it down to one because he's really excited about all these options, but Ohio state's certainly in the middle of it for him could very well land him, uh, have a, have the nation's number six recruiting class right now, but a chance to really close strong with guys like Mickens and, and, and Wilson. Did Wilson's family give you any sense of when, or they're just going to go with when it's time? I just think that they'll have a lot more clarity after tonight on what they're going to do. Interesting. So we should uh, don't leave your phone, people. Stay by, stay near your phone. Number three, and this guy, he's really interesting, and that's Caleb Downs. I think he can make a real strong argument that the safety, actually two-way star from Georgia, uh, as far as a high school player, if he's not the best high school football player in the country, he's certainly in the mix, and you could make an argument for it. Kind of surprising that he even came up for the game. He's obviously committed to Alabama um there's some mixed vibes on how he thought of what he thought of the game etc I will admit that I made a joke text to one of my friends during the game that we kind of went out of our way here to prove to Caleb Downs that we needed him in the secondary we went a little too far with that but I jest your thoughts on uh Mr. Downs 
Well, he wanted to get up to Ohio State and see what a game day was like in Columbus. He hadn't done that before, and I think that the uh, atmosphere and pregame festivities blew him away. Obviously, Ohio State didn't get the job done on the field and talking to his dad. I mean, his dad mentioned how, like, the whole city of Columbus was hurting after the game, and they could tell. You know, it was obviously pretty somber around there. But, you know, the coaching staff did a good job of, of uh, you know, hosting him over the la- over the two-day two day visit. He's got a great report with the Buckeye staff, and they're going to continue to recruit him down the stretch. And, you know, he reiterated some of the same things that made Ohio State a finalist, talking to his dad about, you know, Ohio State being the the, the team in Columbus and the, how interwoven Ohio State is with Columbus and the opportunities that brings you uh, off the field. And, and, and so, uh, I mean, I think that Caleb really likes – Ohio State, um, do I think he's going to flip? I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're asking me what I think he'll do, I think, I, I mean, until someone tells me different, I think he's going to sign with Alabama. Um, I think the interesting thing uh, as, as far as the football approach um, that, that was exciting for Caleb and his family is, is that they're going to play him on offense too. And this is the best high school football player in the country right now. Uh, uh, leading his team to perhaps a state championship in, in the state of Georgia. I think he's got 20 touchdowns this year. I could be a little off on that, um, but you get the picture. And I don't think Ohio State's had a two-way standout since Chris Gamble. Is that correct? So this is a guy that could certainly be someone. I mean, he could do it's that. Worth it. I mean, Caleb Downs could be an SEC running back if you wanted to. He's good enough to – he's a guy that I think starts um, – is a day one starter at Alabama or Ohio state. So, uh, I mean, he's wired, right. He's very talented. Um, and, and, uh, um, would be a, a big pickup for Ohio state down the stretch. I think he had a good visit. Um, I think that, um, he continues to, you know, he'll continue to talk to Ohio state, but I haven't heard anything about like putting him on flip watch or anything where obviously we did with Mickens. Yeah. If you want to see how good he is, Google uh, the Mill Creek Buford game. It is, I mean, I, you could put some Division Three or NAIA football teams on that field. They would have lost to those high school teams. That's how impressive it is. And you also get a chance to see Downs on offense, and the game is close, and you can see they are completely relying upon him on offense and defense. Um, so that's that's definitely one to keep an eye on. My guess is with – Downs for him to come to Ohio State, there needs to be some upheaval in the Alabama coaching staff, and someone would have to boogie that he's tight with. I don't have any idea if that's going to happen, but I think what I'm saying is you need something else to happen than what's going on now for him to flip. That's just my vibe. And we had a story on Bucknuts yesterday about the visit, talking to yeah. his dad, and his dad said, Look, Caleb's dot and I's and crossing teeth, those weren't his exact words, but just making sure uh, on his his son making sure on his decision and pointed to his uh, oldest son, uh, um, uh, oldest son, who's one of the best receivers in college football over at North Carolina, Josh Downs, and and saying that, uh, you know, he took a late visit to Penn State to to be sure North Carolina was right for him. Now, he obviously stuck with the Tar Heels. Ohio State's hoping to flip down, so we'll see what happens. But I haven't heard anything to make me think he's not going to be in Bama's class as we talk right now. The other guy was a late name that's popped up, and they are want to do that with quarterbacks. You've been all over this. He is from the recruiting hotbed of South Dakota, 
And he is literally one of the most decorated and productive high school athletes in the country. That's factual. His name is Lucas Kineholtz. I think I produced that. Kineholtz. Say it again. Lincoln Kineholtz. Lincoln. Why did I write Lucas? My son's name is Luke. Maybe. Lincoln Kineholtz. Stud. Committed to uh, Washington, but was here this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah. The word is coin toss. That was what Bill Kierlich wrote uh, on his Insider on Bucknuts. So make sure you're keeping up with Bill Kierlich and the latest rumblings he's hearing from a big recruiting weekend at Ohio State. I talked to Kynos after his trip. He said, I liked everything about it. Facilities, coaches, recruits, players, campus. It was all nice. You know, he got a chance to do a campus tour, facility tour, um, meetings regarding his major, and, and, and also said he ate some really good food, you know. And uh, Coach Day and, and Coach Dennis, you know, really emphasized how important he is to how they're trying to finish this 2023 recruiting cycle and want him to be a part of what they're doing. And, you know, coming into the visit, you know, Lincoln talked about the past culture and tradition with the quarterbacks and also the success that they've had with the quarterbacks and the success that they've had with their football team. And certainly that's, you know, going to continue to continue to be the case as, and, um I, I think that he's also been in communication with Washington. As I talk to you guys now, I don't know if he's going to flip or not, but I do think that he has legitimate interest in Ohio State, and it was a good visit, and the Buckeyes are in it. Hmm. Not sure how I feel about that one. If Bill writes coin toss and you don't really have a strong vibe, I guess well, the kid – go ahead. Well, sometimes the young man, you know, he's – 50-50. Or maybe we don't have all the intel yet one way or the other. I mean, Washington won 11 football games this year, right, and had a good year. And Quarterback did well. He's known that staff for a long time. They got an exciting offense. Kalen DeBoer is a good dude, their head football coach. So there's a lot of reason to to like Washington as well. And so, um, But when Ohio State calls and you're a quarterback, you certainly listen because they got another first-rounder under center. And uh, so that would make how many in a row now for Ryan Day? It's pretty – you start at Ohio State at quarterback, you're going in the first round until until proven otherwise. And, um, you know, I know Ohio State didn't get the result they were looking for against Michigan, but maybe they'll beat Michigan next year. You know, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to be in the mix. They're going to have a really good football team next year, and and uh, maybe Lincoln Kineholes will be on that team. Uh, I, I do know that um, he's been communicating with Washington as well, and um, – I haven't heard anything on a final decision one way or the other. Just think he had a good trip to Ohio State, and we'll see what happens. Certainly helps Washington that they took Indiana transfer Michael Penix this year, who was, you know, he had a really good, I think it was his junior or sophomore year in Indiana, and then had a terrible next year. DeBoer was his coach when he had the great year. Okay. Then DeBoer is not his coach, has not a good year. Then DeBoer is his coach again and has a good year. So coaching, you know. As it applies at Ohio State, it applies with Kalen DeBoer as well, who got Penix playing his best football again. Yeah, he went from, I think, a guy who was probably a free agent that probably a mid-round draft, a day two pick right now. So if you're selling that to Lucas Lincoln Kineholtz, that's a nice thing to sell. All right, I want to ask Steve here about Luke Fickle and his move from Cincinnati to Wisconsin. You have to know that Wisconsin is going to be amped up recruiting in the state of Ohio. But one guy I want to ask about that we haven't talked about in a while, and that's because he really seems to enjoy his time at Ohio State when he comes, and that is K.J. Bolden Mm -hmm. out of Florida. 
big-time prospect. We haven't talked about him quite as much. I'm hoping to weave through some positivity here, Steve, so make up some stuff, even if he doesn't like Ohio State. Well, he does like Ohio State. There you go. He likes Ohio State a lot. You know, I had a chance to talk to him when we updated our 2024 player rankings uh, earlier in the month. And so talking to him around November 15th or November 16th, you know, Ohio State was definitely one of the schools on a short list with, with Georgia and LSU. I think those are the three programs that have impressed early. He's at uh, the two biggest home games of the year for Ohio State, Notre Dame and Michigan. And he's a guy that, similar to Caleb Downs, could give you some two-way action. He's a really talented receiver and obviously has a tremendous traits to play in the secondary. Uh, um, he's certainly really excited about Ohio State. They're, they're on the short list, but I wouldn't like go penciling them into the class uh, unless something happened this weekend and I haven't talked to him yet about, about his weekend experience. But I know coming into the visit, uh, Ohio State was one of the two or three programs that he was really excited about. We're not going to talk a lot about 2024 here, but if you want some optimism, go look at the updated rankings and see where Ohio State sits with really – there was a few years ago when Ohio State had a chance to bring in five or six guys in the top ten. I think we ended up getting three. But if you look at the top ten, again, of obviously starting with the crown jewel at the top, Dylan Rayola, they have a chance to really clean up here. They're, I think they're going to get Jeremiah Smith, the number one receiver in the country out of Florida. So all is not lost. Okay, Luke Fickle is going to Wisconsin. I have to admit, I, I had I had not heard anything about that beforehand. It was kind of uh, – I love when that stuff happens. Yeah, it's nice. It's impressive. Uh, whoever whoever did the hiring or the negotiating behind closed doors either did it in a, in a really quickly or really discreetly, and, and both are impressive. Well, both sides are very professional, obviously, and you know you're going to get that with Coach Fickle, who's uh, – so. I mean, look, what he did at Cincinnati is, you know, awesome. One of the real things he really did was, so we used to have a running thing here that Michigan State's number one day of recruiting is the last, the day after Ohio State's last summer camp, meaning guys are holding out, Ohioans are holding out for that Ohio State offer. They don't get it and they commit to Michigan State. I felt like, the, and then Michigan State, low about uh, in the end of the Dan, mid-late D'Antonio era was was great because of that. Those players, um, those Ohioans, I get that Kentucky gets their fair share of them for the Stoopsian factor. But Fickle really built his team around his Ohio recruiting ties. He now brings that to Wisconsin. Wisconsin has actually always done a pretty good job in Ohio, uh, especially here in the Dayton area. But I have to imagine they're going to crank it at, uh, at Wisconsin. And then anything you've ever heard about UC as well? Well, I think uh... – Cincinnati, you kind of look at some of their best players, Desmond Ritter from Kentucky, Alec Pierce from Chicagoland, um, you know, uh, um, Sauce Gardner from the state of Michigan. They're not – he wasn't beholden to any area. And his experience at Ohio State, where Ohio State recruited nationally, I think the inroads that Coach Fickle has over the course of his career – are in some of the uh, pipeline states for a Midwest school, but also in some of the more talent-rich states in, in the country. And I think with Wisconsin, it's a similar program in the sense of Cincinnati, of you have your base. Like Cincinnati was a factor for top players in the Cincinnati area, um, but they had to certainly 
um, cast a larger web for developmental upside players that fit their culture and fit their scheme. And at Wisconsin, there's going to be a handful of guys that'll be difference makers for that program at Wisconsin. And we've seen it with their walk-ons just as much as guys that they've scholarship. So he'll have some guys from in-state that'll help him win the games he wants to win. But I think it's pretty much the same recipe on the recruiting trail at Wisconsin that it was at Cincinnati for him of just looking for guys that are a little glossed over by the Ohio States and Michigans and Notre Dames of the world, but guys that are capable from an upside trajectory standpoint of being as good, if not better than the, some of the guys that those three schools took, you know, when you have nine players drafted, um, that is a credit to evaluation and player development. It is hard as hell to get nine players drafted. It was the second most in the draft last year. They didn't make the college football playoff just because they ran the table uh, at a group of five school. They were very talented and deserved to be there. And I think they showed that with the way that they played against Georgia and Alabama in the Peach Bowl the year prior and then Alabama in the college football playoff. And so um, Wisconsin, it's going to be a lot of the same recipe. Uh, I was a little surprised that he took the job, honestly. I I thought he had a great job where he was at. Um, But Wisconsin, uh, how exciting is that for them? And, uh, you know, they've been a team that's been New New Year's Six uh, caliber uh, under previous staffs. Um, I think that they upgraded the head coach position compared to those previous staffs. He's inheriting an atrocious quarterback room, so he's going to have to get that fixed. It'll be interesting to see who comes with them on a staff, but uh, Fickle understands what great recruiting looks like. And and it's not just working the phone lines, but it's great evaluating and great in finding guys that fit you. And then also um, he understands strength and conditioning. And so those are, are, those are cornerstones of Luke Fickle's programs. And, And again, the last thing, and I've said this about him a lot, but the thing that stands out with me the most about Coach Fickle regarding recruiting, because this is a recruiting segment of the podcast, is he said that every staff that he had been on, uh, the head coach was the best recruiter on the staff. And he pointed to Jim Trussell and, and Urban Meyer and said that he had to be that at Cincinnati. And so he understands his role within within all of that, too. And so just a good dude, good good person man good husband good father good football coach people like being around him there was always good energy in the cincinnati football facility whenever i made my way over there and i just know people in cincinnati were sad to lose they him. should be but and i and i said on the i said on wilt fong whip around the big 12 has to be devastated that they lost him because here you are rebuilding your league you're losing Texas and Oklahoma, two of the biggest brand names in your league, although TCU and Baylor have been way better of a football program than Texas the last decade. Uh, But you're losing your big brands. But you have Luke Fickle, the reigning national coach of the year, took a team to the college football playoff. You figure Cincinnati's going to be really good year in and year out because they lost all those guys last year and still win nine games this year could have won 11. I mean, like mm-hmm. to, for them to have the attrition they had, they had some injuries this year. They battled all the way to the end. Uh, you just – Cincinnati was always going to be good. Now you don't know. Yes, the the deck is going to be handed to a new coach with a good foundation, but it's hard to win football games consistently. Only the good coaches do it. Like Lincoln Riley is a good coach. USC quickly turns it around. He would not be 8-4 and four anywhere, but that's hard. 
it's hard to do that. It's hard, like Ryan Day, Ohio State, you guys are 12 and one. It's hard. So we'll see what happens at Cincinnati with the new staff. And the and the Big 12 has to be devastated by that move, hearing that Luke Fickle was moving to the Big Ten. Just based on what I know about Fickle and such, I don't know if Cincinnati can get a better coach for that job than Luke Fickle. I mean, I'm oh, sure it's possible if you – They have had great in the past. I don't mean to cut you off, but Mark D'Antonio, Brian Kelly, Luke Fickle, I mean, they, those guys They did a good job. Guys. They did a good job. But Fickle had the, the advantage of really being Ohio State West on some level. He just did. I mean, his name was associated with that. If He, he, is, as among, he is among the more – if not the most well-respected guys ever to come through the program. He's considered one of the toughest dudes. I mean, like literally, you know, you have those discussions with every team, like, Oh, there's a brawl in the locker room who gets out. And this year they were like, Oh, it's Stover and Eichenberg standing side by side. If you asked that question before, it was the roommates fickle and Vrabel. They were getting out alive. So he was a tremendous, tremendous high school wrestler. In Uh, fact, you can go to YouTube and see that if you want to see it. Go ahead. He, he's an absolute alpha, obviously, but within that, he is a tremendous people person, right? Yeah. So, and smart. Uh, yeah, I, I'll say um, Cincinnati, though, they have hit big three times at head coach recently. Man. So, theoretically, um, there's some, you know, they could do it again. And, hey, I wouldn't, I, I think they, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to want that job. I think Even Butch probably, Jones, I'm sorry to cut you off. Now, Butch Jones had a good run there, too. I just don't think I can put Butch Jones in the same sentence as those other guys. But he was damn Fair. good. He was damn good. But well, like, he parlayed it into the Tennessee job, did he not? No question. No question. But, I mean, Brian Kelly took Notre Dame to the college football playoff a few times as LSU quickly in the SEC title game. Um, I mean, Mark D'Antonio took Michigan State to the college football playoff. Those guys, you know, I just rank them higher than Butch Jones. Um, and then Fickle took Cincinnati to the college football playoff. I mean, that's – and 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 really just – That's incredible. He sustained the – just the sustainment of how good Cincinnati was year in and year out was, was, was really good. He's one of the current winningest coaches in college football. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing, I think Cincinnati should interview Brian Hartline. I mean, I think he's a guy that, uh, is capable of taking a job like that and, and, uh, you know, is qualified to get a swing at Cincinnati and and see how he interviews alongside some of those other candidates that are certainly in the mix and swinging. I think, you know, he's an Ohio guy. That's a great recruiter. That's been around great football coaches his entire life. I know you guys probably don't like to hear that. But so you've damaged your chance of ever coming on the show ever again. Now I just hey, that'd be a, you know, Brian Hartline would be a good hire. Hell, maybe then eventually he's the next head football coach at Ohio State. You know, you never guys. You know, sometimes they gotta fly a little more elsewhere before they come back. I don't know, but he, he would be a good candidate. When people came calling for Steve Wilfong, he stuck with twenty four seven sports. And we are hoping Brian Hartline does the same. Steve, we appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row. All right. We're going to take a quick break for a commercial to pay some podcast bills. And then I'm going to get into a little bit of therapy here. See if we can get this through. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so Internet's improved, which is ironic that my Internet is fixed as Ohio State suffers what was an absolutely devastating loss. I have not commented on the boards or verbally, so I'm going to do my little part now, and then we'll have a little talk about it, and then let's hope we can move on in some kind of positive fashion. I exchanged texts with a let's see, a prominent member of the media who's an Ohio State devotee during the game always. It'd be kind of fun, a cathartic. And I went back and read my text, and I will say at halftime what I had was Ohio State is clearly the better team, just needs to execute. Here is what I believe took place during the game. I think Ohio State's plan was to get on top early and then rush the passer. This did not happen. Their inability to get up 21-3 to when it was absolutely there. I don't understand what was going on at running back. Mayan Williams was clearly limited. Um, you know, Corn, Blake Corn was limited for two plays and they took him out. We went through several drives with Mayan. First down efficiency for Ohio State's offense is the most underrated and important aspect of it. Second and seven is much different than second and three. Too many second and sevens when there were wide open lanes for more rushing yards. That opens everything up. That was very, very disappointing. Now here's what happened in a general sense. Once Ohio State was up 2017 at the half, they were no longer able to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. That meant they had to stop the rush on defense. That's not going to happen. They are not built to handle the rush long term. They're built to pin their ears back with a lead. Now we can get all the other details about that, but that's, in my opinion, what happened in the game. Now the question is this. Why is Ohio State built to be a front-running team? 
Why is Ohio State built to win a certain way, not any way? That I don't understand. The defensive line was not good enough to hold up to a legitimate run running attack all game long. I think the the running back situation in the game is something that's going to have to be explained to me at a, at a later date. You go from hypothetically, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Sermon back there to C.J. Stroud and Mayan Williams, who's hurt, or Diamante Trainum. The idea that we were getting the ball to number 19 and number 10 in the biggest game of the year, and those are a transfer and a former walk-on, very disappointing. But the idea that Michigan whooped Ohio State and the plan didn't work, that I'm not going to go with. In the beginning of the game, I thought Michigan was teetering and several times, teetering, waiting to get run. The other big issue I have is we have no concept of how to hold the edge on defense. That quarterback was not comfortable to start the game. The only way he gets comfortable with his legs. We kept giving up the edge, and that's what happens. So very, very disappointing game uh, on every level. And then I thought they kind of let go of the rope. You give up a 75 and 85-yard run to a guy who I went to sleep many nights during Donovan Edwards recruiting or Donovan Jack Edwards uh, recruiting where I thought he was going to be a Buckeye. Very, very disappointing. So I'm not sure where they go from here. Um, schematically, obviously, for the rest of this season and whatever happens with the playoff, we'll figure it out. But um, I just think they kind of – it didn't go the way they wanted, and I don't know that they had the ability to rebound when things didn't go according to plan. Now, that's coaching. Um, there's talk of how there was a fake punt that was not run. That's coaching. So there's a backup snapper in there. You'd think the message would get through to him quickly rather than later. So I'm not sure where they go with the staff. I could see there being some upheaval, but to me it's almost more of a – philosophy thing they have to get the ability to stop the run for four quarters they can't be they can't be winning in gimmick fashion um because what happens is you you have a couple drops you have a couple guys that don't make plays in the first half and look where you are um i mean hindsight's 2020 but they were leading at halftime and didn't even play well so uh, the idea that the gap uh, between Michigan and Ohio State is large or anything like that. I, I don't buy that. As for the playoff, I think Ohio State's going to be number five tonight, and if either TCU or USC loses, they'll be in. I'm not sure there's an argument against it. Uh, the the Alabama argument is, I think, really just for the Internet. They've lost twice and don't have a quality win. As much as you don't have respect for Ohio uh, for Penn State, that's a super quality win. So I don't know where we go from here. Um, I guess we play the waiting game and root for, you know, the opponents in the Pac-12 and the Big 12. So I'm not sure here. I'm happy that my internet is back and running. Now let's mention, let's see if we can see if anyone's made any really good comments. Yeah. Uh, you know what? For the most part in the first half, I think I agree with that. I thought the execution was terrible in the first half. They looked nervous. They uh, Uncharacteristic mistakes are always a sign of teams being a little bit nervous. And um, I really don't think Michigan played very well in the first half. 
And they were, like I said, I think they were waiting to get blown out. And uh, Ohio State just couldn't do it. Just couldn't. You, you could just feel Michigan's confidence growing with every mistake. And then they just came apart. <clears throat> yep. Brad's got a good point. I mean, we averaged over five yards a pop in the first half. Michigan knew it and dropped everybody. You know, it really is a disappointing, disappointing uh, result. Now, totally fixable because talent is not an issue. So I do understand. Hayden. Kate wasn't mentally in the game. Yeah, Kate Stover, I'm not saying he wasn't mentally in the game. I thought that touchdown pass, he could have ripped that ball out of there. He looked a little slower than usual, but to say he wasn't geeked for the game, I don't think I could say that. So this is the one I really don't understand. David Greenshield. Uh, Hayden had two carries, a Hayden and Chip mix. So I had expected, based on Mayan being able to play, that it would be Hayden and Mayan. I am a big Dallin Hayden fan. I had a thread up there calling the Dallin Hayden Show that I wanted to see at Northwestern, which we never saw. I'm a fan of his burst. That's that seven yards instead of three on first down. Um, I can't explain it. Something had to have happened in practice. Um, I saw Dave Biddle had a, a response to this saying there may be issues with Dallin Hayden's ball control in practice so that Trainum got in there for the game. Man, you he must have been awful in practice because when he hasn't been in the games, he's been fantastic. And um, – the idea of putting a guy, a transfer linebacker in at running back for the biggest game of the year when he had no experience on the field, it's not a knock on chip. It's just that's kind of a bizarre kind of uh, reach into the cupboard approach for Ohio State when you would think they'd have be better planned or be better prepared uh, for a situation like that. I'm seeing on here a lot of complaints about or concerns about transfers. I don't, I don't see that happening in mass. Um, keep in mind, people come to Ohio State to win games, but they also come to make it to the NFL. And Ohio State is still a wonderful proving ground for that. Um, the guys that I could see transferring are ones who maybe didn't have the role here they expected. And that tends to mean you have a guy coming in to back him up. So. That is my uh, – yeah, this this is a good point, Robert Hahn. Didn't Chip get like seven yards per carry, no home runs? I'm not complaining about Chip's play. I don't – I just don't understand why he was in there. Um, and he, He's a nice running back. I mean, it's hard for me to judge the guy on the first X number of carries I've ever seen him have in a real game. The question is he didn't have many explosive plays. I don't know. Who knows if those were in, even in his bag. So, look – um, the other issues on here about some of the commitments we've got out of Ohio guys, nobody who has committed to Michigan since the game or who visited had an offer from Ohio state. So that's not, that looks bad PR wise, but, um, in, in actual, you know, practical application, it's not an issue. All right. Not really sure what else there is to say. Um, we appreciate you guys being so steadfast. 
I'm starting to get some uh, riffraff here on the notes, so it's probably time to boogie. Definitely appreciate you guys stopping by. We'll be here for as long as it takes to get this done. Have a good one, Buckminster. Oh, my God.